Dr. Justin Tan is a chiropractic physician in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Justin specializes in treating high-performance individuals. He works with the Canadian Olympic bobsled and skeleton teams, as well as serving as a health performance coach for the Property Brothers. Justin is my guest today. What's up, everybody? My name is John Campioni, and this is the Rock Tape Podcast. I'm here with Justin Tan. Justin is a chiropractor out of at least my friends to the north in Canada. So I say that because some people are probably in Canada and saying, well, that's me, right? So Justin is one of our Canadian instructors with Rock Tape. He's a doctor of chiropractic medicine. Uh, Justin, you studied at Palmer West, which is in California. Are you originally from California or originally from Canada? Originally from Canada. Yeah. Okay. What are you, you said you were in Alberta, correct? Yep. Calgary, Alberta. Calgary, nice, excellent. Yeah, I'm a big pro wrestling fan, so I know Calgary, Alberta, very, very, very well. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was a big Bret Hart fan, so yeah, absolutely. He, he I grew up in school in... with his, uh, with his, with his son and his cousin. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Did you bring it up, or are you not a fan? No, I didn't bring it up. I, um, <laughs> I mean, because that was actually around the time. Where like all all of his like his unfortunate incidents went down, sure. Um, yeah. And so you know it was just kind of like yeah we understood who he was and what it was, but we just kind of left it to his uh you know his respect and honor. That's nice of you guys. Yeah, yeah. Always so kind up in our friends in Canada. <laughs> Love you guys. So Justin, how are you doing today? We are in like I think my wife did the count. We're in like week fifty two or week. We're in day 52 of our, our quarantine and events, you know, from a rock tape perspective, we've gotten into the webcast idea. Um, you're a practicing clinician right now, correct? Correct. Um, part-time practicing clinician, actually. Okay. Uh, last year I took a pivot and did more, some private consulting. Uh, cool. so I was doing a bit more traveling on the road though. Um, yeah, still come back and open up clinic times. Uh, but yeah, during this quarantine, uh, this event, it's been, it's been interesting, uh, definitely, uh, learning to adapt. Uh, and I mean, so fortunate for us on the rock type rock tape family that we've got, uh, some amazing leaders that are just, you know, being so resourceful and adapting so quick and, and informing all of us as, as instructors, how to work the, the live streams. So oh, super yeah. grateful for that. Um, but ultimately, man, just really enjoying actually this time. I think for a lot of us, similarly, we're, you know, we are go, 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 go. And so mm-hmm. having this kind of space and time to open and kind of, you know, just be. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny you say go, go, go. It's like, we're all go, 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 but then we want to go. And it's like, we stop for a second. I can't go anywhere. So right. like, we almost <laughs> don't know what to do with ourselves as well too. So well, let's take you back a little bit and uh, talk a little bit about uh, your career, kind of how you got started. You know, we hear a lot of origin stories on the podcast uh, within uh, our, our realm. What got you into healthcare, number one, but then what took you towards the chiropractic route as a uh, individual? And I'm curious to know why you went to the United States for chiropractic school. Yeah. Oh, man, great questions. Um, chiropractic for me, so junior high, high school, university, athlete, uh, wrestling was my primary sport. Um, and just through that, understanding body mechanics, positioning, you know, leverage, power, strength, all that is super important in that, and not on the mat. 
And so that really intrigued me. I had an amazing uh, sports medicine teacher and also my wrestling coach, uh, Mr. Webster, who really helped pave uh, that understanding and that kind of, you know, how to break the body on the wrestling mat, but also how to fix the body on the table. Uh, So that really kind of shaped my direction. Um, And then from out of high school, I had options to other, well, I was, you know, doing some work at the hospital to see whether that's the environment I want to, you know, choose a career in, or it was a, in a chiropractic practice as well. Uh, fortunate for us, we had a chiropractor uh, that would always hire a summer uh, assistant uh, and do some of like the chiropractic assistant work in his practice. And so I was able to get that position and through that was able to kind of get that lens of chiropractic and, and holistic wellness uh, so really appreciated uh, that model as well as the lifestyle because I got to, you know, experience his lifestyle vicariously through him during that time. And I was like, this this guy is leading a a life of of health and wellness. Um, and then I chose chiropractic uh, education in California because uh, primarily of the, the 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 draw towards the philosophy. Mm-hmm. So I went to Palmer West. Uh, originally I was going to, or I'd applied to Palmer Davenport, which is, you know, the fountainhead of chiropractic. Um, Though, you know, out of my undergrad, uh, I did a year in Australia and became a surfer bum. And I was like, (laughs) okay, do I want to go to Davenport, Iowa, or, you know, California by Santa Cruz Bay area? (laughs) Like, which one do I want to do? Which was giving me the best lifestyle. Uh, The best you can get at Davenport is the Mississippi river. (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> so I, I i chose um uh palmer west uh from that point on just knowing that it'd be a better suit for my character and also you know doing more research into you know we had a, a pretty robust sports council and was mm-hmm. able to really serve a lot of uh, amazing um you know movement companies or movement uh, events in the bay area yeah i've heard some actually really cool things about uh, some of the student body at palmer west and some of the things they're doing on that on that sports council Really, really cool stuff. It's uh, we're not making fun of Davenport. If anybody's listening to, I've been to Davenport. It's a very, very nice place. Only it's a two-hour drive from me, but we're stuck in the middle of the country. There aren't these uh, beautiful oceans to go surf. So if you're definitely into that, that is not something you're gonna go to the Midwest for, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what was your undergraduate uh, uh, education? Health sciences and bioscience. Uh, so I did my bioscience at uh, University of Calgary. And then, I, as I said, I did that year uh, abroad in La Trobe University in Melbourne, Australia, uh, and so cool. did health sciences there, yeah. You were just there for a year? Have you been back? Yeah. Well, my cousin, yeah, I have been back. My cousin lives, uh, lives actually was there at the time when I did my education, so I really got close with, with him. He's a medical doctor now in Tasmania, uh, oh, cool. urologist in Tasmania. So haven't gone to Tasmania yet, but uh, it's mm-hmm. on the docket. That is a dream spot for myself. I just don't know if I'll... Uh... I'll ever head out there for any particular reason other than just, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful place, man. Yeah. So when did you graduate from chiropractic school? 2014. Okay. So you've been at it for about six years now. So you get out of school. Do you immediately jump into practice? Do you start working for someone, opening up your own uh, place? What did you decide to do? Man, kind of all the, all the above. Uh, really fortunate to be able to jump right into practice uh, here in Calgary at Kinetic Performance Center uh, with uh, Dr. Yick. He was also a Palmer West grad. 
so he took me under his wing because uh, prior to college, I uh, was you know working at chiropractic practices as a chiropractor assistant, and uh, he was one of the doctors I was uh, working at uh, the, the one of the practices I was at, and so he quickly you know took me under his wing. Um, we are both from Malaysia, so we have that kind of connection, and uh, we're just like family. Uh, at the same time, I opened up uh, a small little, uh, you know, singular room shop clinic um, in a uh, performance facility called Revolution Human Performance. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was able to kind of maintain my own kind of uh, practice there. So, you know, I worked with uh, within a, uh, a clinic and then kind of started my own practice as well and, and went from there. That's really cool. You don't see a lot of... Uh uh, employee, employers rather, who, uh, kind of allow that within, uh, within their contracts. So that's kind of nice that you had that opportunity to kind of build stuff on your own. Absolutely. I was, I'm super grateful and, and, you know, we're still very close and I still uh, provide services at Connect Performance Center. Uh, and it's just, um, it's just like family, you know, like where there's no competition, it's no, there's no, um, push pull. It's just like, yeah, man, you do you. Yeah. Nice. So you've been in practice for a while now. When did you start with rock tape? What brought you towards rock tape? And was kinesiology tape something you'd been using a lot? And how did you really kind of find our brand? John, that's a, a really great question and um, interesting story because back in 2012, 2013, when I was in chiropractic college, uh, that's when, you know, Dr. Capo was really developing the 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 robust education and curriculum for rock tape mm. and he was practicing in los gatos at the time mm. and so um i really took the uh the interest in you know hearing about his practice and uh you know just kind of the the movement he was creating and so was able to actually mentee under him at his practice oh, cool. for for a little bit of time wow. so that was yeah that was in 2012 and 2013 and uh, was really good, you know, learned so much just from observation, being a fly in the wall during his treatment sessions and just, you know, talking shop with him. Um, when he sold his practice, uh, I then, you know, was close friends with uh, Dr. Cody Fowler, um, who, again, was, you know, practicing with uh, Dr. Capo at the time and uh, so held the same kind of philosophies. Um, and my last year, you know, in chiropractic uh, education, we get to do a preceptorship. Mm. Um, so I got to do mine with Dr. Justin Brink, who again was also part of the one of like the OGs in rock tape education as an instructor. And so really, I I started with the rock tape mentality and um, kind of understanding in the way of practice right from the get go. And uh, you, you know, as soon as I got into practice in 2014, you know, I just had that mentality because it was already just kind of grained into my my way of view uh, therapy treatment the human body movement very That's cool kind of my story yeah that is uh, such a great opportunity to have available to you as, as, as well but uh really cool I, you know i don't think anybody has that sort of uh connection uh, on that more personal professional uh level there that's pretty interesting to see you got it kind of firsthand especially as it was developing as well too so do you uh do you kind of remember any, you know, obviously there's, there's a ton of differences, but how, what kind of big differences having seen kind of the development process to where it is now with maybe even, I guess tape would be the thing to focus on since that's the one that's been around for the longest. Yeah. Well, you know, back in the day, like we would be having like Capo and I would have discussions on fascia and really, you know, 
watching how he treated and treating like the whole fascial slings and uh, really, you know, looking at movement through those lenses, that was all part of the, of the curriculum and obviously was a big uh, foundation. Uh, as I, you know, got on board as an instructor and, you know, went to my first instructor summit and really now that we've dived into it, what I've, you know, really celebrate is how the education and curriculum really has encompassed more so now the neurology of like, hey, what's the, like, what's the whole human aspect like? What's the, you know, the affective touch component? Uh, tapping into more like the mental emotional components of uh, the experience of a treatment. So, you know, it, it's, it's been a huge evolution. And um, not only is it like the tape just being a sensory input to the body and augmenting movement, but it became like a whole robust system on like, how do you treat a whole human and their experience? Yeah, it's really cool to see that, that evolution coming up. Did you say that this was this past January was your first instructor summit? No, no. Um, 20, I started with, uh, with rock tape, uh, three years ago, I believe. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I mean, maybe you just didn't go to the other ones, but I knew you'd been around for, for quite some time. So how did it come to be? Did you contact Capo? Were you just keeping in touch with him? Um, did you just say, Hey, I really want to be part of this team? Honestly, it was, yeah, uh, it was in the intentions and in like the, the five year tenure kind of goal to be an instructor for rock tape. Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as I got out of practice, because I was just like, this is the direction that uh, I want to go towards. And it's such a, a ingrained philosophy already. Um, but I was uh, fortunate to work Nor a NorCal Masters event. And also when I came to Canada, I worked the CrossFit Canada West Regionals. Mm -hmm. And at the time, uh, I was uh, able to get put in touch with, uh, with Leslie, who was Rocket Canada, and had a booth. And so being able to kind of provide therapy to those kind of athletes uh, at that event was, uh, was, was pivotal because fast forward three years into practice, so that was at the very beginning, 2014, fast forward three years, uh, Leslie gives me a call and she was like, hey, Justin, you know, I <laughs> uh, really appreciate working with you at those events and always kept you in mind uh, as an instructor for Rock Tape. Um, and, you know, from there, just kind of offered me the position. Uh, so really, it was just a kind of a sequence of events and uh, happened a lot faster than than I'd expected, but super grateful. Do you have a uh, particular favorite class that you like to teach? Is there one tool that you actually enjoy talking about more than others? The I, I would say the most favorite tool or favorite class that I get to teach is uh, the taping. Uh, yeah, just the foundation is all laid out there, uh, and it's such a great access point. Uh, for, you know, layering of the other tools on. And so I find that, uh, you know, teaching the, the basic taping and the advanced taping uh, really is a, is just a great overall course. Uh, and people are excited about it. So I would say that. Yeah. And having transitioned over to uh, kind of this webcasting format that we're currently in, uh, what are some of the uh, uh, little changes, little nuances that you've had to make when uh, doing some of these taping courses. Have you done one of the taping courses on, on uh, webcast yet? Well, I've actually not done the taping course yet. I've done mostly not blades. Mostly blades, <laughs> okay. Yep. Uh, and, you know, I think blades is actually, with the live streams, actually uh, quite a bit more, you know, it's quite a bit easier because people actually have that tool in hand are able to, to do it. And there's not much as a, um, you know, a technique aspect of it uh, as far as like how to handle a tape and working with a partner. 
the so you know teaching the blades course is uh is has been easier for me <laughs> i'm glad you said that because that that's actually the one i've been afraid to be teaching because i thought it would be just so awkward kind of online but uh you kind of work yourself into it a little bit. Uh, so it's interesting that you say that. It gives me a little bit more confidence as well, too. So. Awesome, man. I'm so glad that I can, <laughs> I can do that for you. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your, your current practice. You know, you mentioned you do some consulting. You kind of are in a clinic part-time. You know, what do you consider your specialty or your expertise? Are you kind of a jack-of-all-trades sort of practitioner? And do you have a particular population that you focus on? That's a pretty robust question, my my friend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. The, <laughs> I would say um, high performance. Uh, how to uh, work with individuals that are on bigger arenas, uh, and how to really, um, you know, increase their their ability to just show up ready uh, for the, the the task at hand. Mm -hmm. So high performance individuals are definitely uh, who I get to specialize with uh, in this phase of my, of my career. And uh, that being said, I do treat, you know, the whole gambit as well. Um, and why I say my specialty is more of that high performance is, you know, I get to work with uh, the Canadian bobsleigh and skeleton Olympic teams. Mm -hmm. uh, also currently working with, um, uh, some TV celebrities, the Property Brothers, who again, they all are, you know, performing at extremely high levels. And my goal is just to, okay, how do I help them show up even more effortlessly than they make it look already? Right. Knowing and learning from them that these tools that we get to, you know, these lessons I learned from them and as far as treatment is what works for them is definitely going to make or move the needle for someone else, whether it just be a general population or if it be a weekend warrior or you know, a yogi, a Pilates instructor, et cetera. So I'm curious about that too, if we can jump into that. You know, you mentioned you're working with the, the Property Brothers, um, you know, TV celebrities. People hear the word high perform the phrase high performance, and they think sport, obviously, too. But you know, we know there's different types of performance, there's different types of, of stressors within life. So what are some of the different things that you would do for, say, somebody on a set? to kind of keep them at that high performance level, if you could uh, uh, cue us in on some of that stuff. Yeah, awesome question. The, the uh, you know, I'd say the, the ultimate is um, for at least people on, on, uh, on production, right, that are on set uh, or on TV, uh, their presence is the most important thing, right? Their ability to turn on and turn off the switch is remarkable. Uh, how do they, you know, show up in their, uh, like when it says, you know, three, two, one action, how do they just bring the full selves so that you can actually feel them through their, their, uh, their set. Uh, that's kind of, uh, what I'm talking about with performance there. And we, I mean, we all do this, right. We all have moments of, uh, of turning ourselves on and then recovering. And so for me, when I'm on set, my, my main goal is like, okay, how can I get these individuals to recover as fast as they can? How do I get them back to their baseline so that they can, again, turn that switch on so that they can just, you know, shine as radiantly as they, as they can mm -hmm. um, and make sure that, you know, their, their main thoughts are not on, you know, aches or pains or things that are coming up in their body that they can just focus purely on the task at hand, whether it's their lines or whether it's, you know, just 
how they're being and interacting with their clients um, or their other cast members. That's kind of, you know, my job is just, hey, I want to take care of the rest of your body so you can focus on what you need to do. Um, it's a really interesting microcosm of kind of all healthcare, I think, especially musculoskeletal, musculoskeletal healthcare, excuse me. Um, just the idea that, you know, everybody comes into us, they have so many other things that they're concerned with, and then they've got uh, this crink in their neck that they just can't manage. And now that is starting to bother what they're trying to do in daily life too. So pretty cool there. I'm curious to know, you know, obviously you're probably on set. So what's in your gear bag? What are you taking with you to go work on these high performance folks off site? Well, uh, we have that handy toolkit, uh, which is the blades tool, uh, toolkit. And so I have that with me on hand and instead of having the rock rub, I actually have a floss in that little, little circular hole. Oh, nice. Um, and so I basically have that with me and then a table. I'm ready to rumble. Uh, usually in my kit, I'll have obviously some tape as well. Uh, but this is kind of my, my go-to tape and some emollient and I'm ready to rumble. Yeah. And you're well-versed in a lot of different uh, movement techniques. You are trained in uh, FRC, uh, which is uh, functional range uh, conditioning, the mobility specialist uh and also a functional uh, release practitioner as well, too. So um, well-versed in a lot of soft tissue techniques and, and movement techniques. Are these, it, I guess the question I'm getting at is, are you seeing that you're really using a huge mosaic of a lot of your different knowledge and training? Or are you starting to see that you're focusing in on using particular tools for different individuals for, for whatever reason? Yeah, well, um, to help kind of create clarity around this too. So when I'm working with the, the Olympic athletes, that's when I'm doing a lot of the, the hands-on therapy, right? Mm -hmm. The FRC, uh, kind of educating about the mobility concepts there, but then the FR practices and doing a lot of our rock tape um, applications. Uh, and then to kind of fill out the mosaic with them uh, and also now more so with, you know, these uh, celebrities, you know, I actually work more on the, uh, the holistic side of movement. So personal training, right, is first and foremost, their mobility. We do the mindful training as well. Uh, so that's where, you know, the whole mosaic of holistic health starts to get filled out a bit more um, when it comes to application of our tools. Right, right. Um, do you find that a lot of things complement one another uh, with some of the rock tape uh, courses? One of the questions that we always get is, you know, how do I kind of incorporate this with what I'm doing? Do you find that a lot of our rock tape education and, and our tools uh, incorporate very nicely with some of the other things that you've been doing? Absolutely. Again, rock tape education and the curriculum and the understanding be, uh, behind what we deliver is the foundation uh, for me. And so everything kind of layers on top of uh, what we share in our rock tape seminars, Excellent. whether it be like movement specific personal training, or, you know, just performance-based. It all layers on top of that. And you're also trained in uh, applied kinesiology, is that correct? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, of AK myself. Uh, I, I not really studied it formally or anything like that. I, I, you know, I've read a few books, and um, I know that a lot of, you know, some of the bigger-name techniques that are out there, a lot of it came from AK Concepts, or at least was involved with that too. So um, very curious kind of, I know it's such a wide system as well, too, and I've known a few AK practitioners that are very much musculoskeletal. Some are a little bit more holistic 
approach with that too. How do you incorporate that education and those concepts into what you do? Does that help you get into other realms outside of musculoskeletal or does it just kind of augment what you can do with people's bodies and their movement? Wow. John, I love your questions, bro. <laughs> Thanks, man. This, uh, ultimately, when it comes to, you know, applied kinesiology or rock tape, I mean, the main premise is that we're, we're augmenting as a input to the brain. So everything in AK is a testing the nervous system, whether it's responding appropriately or not. Yeah. And when it comes to kinesiology tape or rock tape, you know, it's, again, how do we provide more information to the brain so really when I, on those premises it just kind of dovetails in so nicely mm -hmm. yeah it's uh really cool to kind of see that because it, it goes back to where we talk about I, I guess you would say blades is where we have a heavier emphasis a lot on the sensory input into the system and starting to you know basically test against it you know if i use a, a fast blade stroke what did it do? What did it improve upon as well too? And people who are familiar with AK, they know muscle testing is a big, big thing. It's a really good, quick go-to test for a lot of different things. And it's really kind of very similar principles. So for those of you who ask, you know, how do I incorporate all this stuff with what I'm doing? It's just trying to find, you know, those connections in there and those seamless transitions to be like, oh, well, I'm doing this already. This is what rock tape can do. I can start to add that on top of it, right? Absolutely. So <clears throat> getting into, you know, some of the things that you uh, have on your profile, some of the education that you've gone into, um, tell us about this uh, optimized uh, life coach uh, certification that you utilize. What is that? What, is it, what do you do with that? Yeah, so this optimized life coach certification uh, has been quite pivotal in this past year um, as I've taken on this consulting position because I'm doing more of the, the coaching uh, versus therapy. And it's, uh, you know, one way of how do we, again, operationalize virtue is our main kind of go-to saying. And uh, our goal is obviously to, again, bring the best out of every individual that we get to work with and out of ourselves. And so our fundamentally, it goes back to around health specifically. We have a concept of energy uh, being the foundation is eat, move, and sleep. And what are your habits in your eating and your moving and your sleeping? Right. And so, you know, we really just create a spotlight on to what are the uh, incremental gains that we can do and what kind of habits can we commit to that make the biggest changes in these areas to increase our energy so that we can show up with a greater presence in our work and in our love. So that's kind of a, the, the foundations of, uh, of Optimize Coach. Um, and it's just a robust, again, system of knowledge. Uh, I really got to give kudos to Brian Johnson and the Optimize team for putting together such a, a, a exemplary resource for, you know, human performance. It's interesting you mentioned sleep too within that paradigm. And I think that's a really interesting topic to get into. It's so funny because we've literally done it all our lives. And now we're starting to hear so much about how sleep is so important to our health. Talk on that a little bit. You know, there's so much evidence out there now about we need this much sleep and this type of sleep and restful sleep and how bad sleep really does affect our health as someone who coaches on optimized living how important is sleep just for you know the general population yeah great question and this is an area that we definitely need more education and empowerment in 
is our sleep habits. We know that there's a period of time where our body does its natural healing, meaning it goes through its processes of slothing through any kind of cells that are not working optimally and doing any kind of repair. This is also a time where our brain gets its most rest and also is able to, you know, go through its, you know, refragmentation of all the day's processes. Um, and so that's sleep. That period of time is sleep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we can optimize that, our immune systems, are, you know, increase drastically. Uh, our ability to feel present in our day, the next day, increases drastically as well. So when it comes to sleep health, um, you know, again, there's so many tips and tricks out there right now, as far as having, you know, no light within the room, uh, having a colder environment, uh, you know, making sure that you don't have blue screen light coming at you an hour prior to your bedtime. You know, it's hard to do in these, uh, you know, tech savvy days uh, yeah. to be digitally minimal, minimalistic. Um, and then, you know, it all goes, comes back down to how you're eating. You know, if you eat directly before you go to bed or if you eat like, you know, what's recommended like four hours prior to going to bed, you know, what, what works well for your body to make sure that it's not being distracted from digesting all of the food and being distracted from actually the healing processes that it does at night naturally. So I never thought about that is you're, you're eating right before you go to bed. Your body can't rest because it has to digest. So it's constantly active, right? It's constantly yeah. energy is going into the stomach and the digestive tract to get that food and turn into into energy that's available for the body. When when really at night, you know, uh, we're we're in that intermittent intermittent fasting state, so that our body can actually go in and see, hey, what cells are not operating at 100% that I can actually eat and turn it into energy. And that's like that reparative process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's a, it's a, it's pretty important. That one factor has actually been a game changer for me where I don't eat, uh, you know, close to going to bed. I'm actually leaving a four hour window okay. so that uh, my body is fully in a state of intermittent fasting uh, and can actually, you know, go in and take care of all of those cells that are not working optimally uh, and that I can regenerate uh, cells uh, that, are fresh and new and ready for me to utilize. Uh, jumping off of that, so that's uh, there is a good time to stop eating, and you know, there's a lot of different components uh, with overall nutrition with that as well too. But we're letting our bodies rest. I'm curious when you jump off of that. If if I were your uh, patient, you're you're uh, consulting with me, and you tell me that I go okay. So when I wake up, is there a right time to then eat when you wake up? Great question as well. Uh, the follow-up with that is uh, honestly just to kind of feel what's what's happening with your system. So if you are having that that intermittent fast window, then what is the, you know the end of that time for you? Period. For us to say that there's an awful time for you to eat right when you wake up in the morning, it's all idiosyncratic. It's all going to be different for each individual, how they respond, um, and for each how you know how their system is um, is kind of built uh, and designed. Though uh, you know there are guidelines where you know you can you know you don't have to throw in a huge breakfast first thing in the morning. You can start off with something uh, a little bit easier, like a, a a morning elixir where it's you know packed with micronutrients and macronutrients. Um, so you don't have to like really you know throw a big stone into your gut first thing in the morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, uh, that's pretty, pretty cool. Pretty interesting to see just kind of how that develops. One thing I really always appreciate a practitioner uh, doing this stuff saying is it depends. It really depends on the individual because it really does. So you get all that research, all that evidence out there. So many books they talk about the numbers with sleep, how much sleep is the optimal time. And admittedly, some catastrophize when you're outside of these, these realms. And then when you eat and stuff like that too, is, is the sleeping time a big thing that you coach and talk about? Do you have a window based on some of the other evidence that's available that you tell people like you really need to make sure you get this much sleep or does it also depend on the individual? You know, I mean, it always, always depends on the individual, but science is saying that you, like, for optimal immunity uh, and for uh, clarity, right, brain health and just body health, uh, like that nine hour mark is kind of optimal. So yeah. seven to nine hours, what I'm always recommending my clients and saying, hey, try to get that seven to nine hours of, of sleep, if not more. Yeah. Right. Okay. And we look at high performers, we look at the pro athletes, we look at um, you know, Olympic athletes, their regimen is built around their sleep. Some of the pro athletes actually work, um, you know, that 80, 20% rule, but it's like they're, you know, they're sleeping and trying to get naps in throughout the day. So they have a full nine hour window, but they also have naps throughout the day for their bodies to fully recover. Yeah, interesting. If only we could all do that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. If only we could. <laughs> I've said adults need nap time more than kids need nap time, I think. I agree. I celebrate <laughs> that, bro. <laughs> it's mostly because my kids stop napping really early in their life. So mom and dad really need some sleep as well, too. <laughs> so when did you start working with uh, the Canadian uh, Olympic bobsled and, and skeleton team? This is something we got a chance to talk to Brad Norris about, another Rock Tape uh, Canada instructor working with uh, bobsled and skeleton himself. And um, these are obviously winter sports. Uh, they're not year round. Uh, maybe, I don't actually know for a fact if there are, if there's more prevalence of championships before, between the Olympics um, in even the States or, or in Canada. But um, how did you start working with these athletes? And what are, what are some of the interesting little nuances to each individual sport that you found that are different than um, other athletes? Great question again, John. Um, so first and foremost, the origin story is uh, right when I got out of chiropractic college, I uh, started up that uh, little, you know, singular room practice uh, at Revolution Hebrew Performance. Uh, Morgan Alexander uh, was a Canadian bobsleigh athlete himself, and he was the head performance coach at that uh, facility and owner of the facility. And so he was already training some of the, you know, Canadian national bobsleigh skeleton athletes. And I got first-hand experience working with them uh, as well. Then uh, as we evolved that, uh, that whole facility and practice, he became the high-performance manager for Bobsleigh Canada Skeleton and uh, had the opportunity to start traveling with them probably about three years ago as well, uh, where... Uh, we got to go do some uh, World Cup championships uh, and Euro Cup championships as well. Uh, these races are all around the world. So a lot of uh, North America Cup is, you know, in Lake Placid um, and was Whistler or Calgary and Whistler. 
Uh, and then the other part of the tours are all across the world. So a lot of it is in Germany where we got to go to Winterberg, uh, Altenburg, um, got to go to Switzerland as well, uh, where St. Moritz is another track. Uh, so really robust um, schedule and working with them. That's how it kind of got started. The nuances between the athletes, uh, well, first and foremost, if you look at a skeleton athlete versus a bobsleigh athlete, you'll know first and foremost who the bobsleigh athlete because they're just big juggernauts. Tree chunk legs. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah. they're massive. They're, they're, they're uh, you know, really, uh, really big uh, uh, humans. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't say that on podcast. <laughs> but when you no, look at okay. it. I'm a short guy. I, they're big humans. They are. They're bigger than, than me. So. <laughs> so when you look at these, uh, or when you look at, or working with the bobsleigh athletes, you know that they're, they're bobsleigh athletes. They're just bigger, bigger humans in general. Um, and for them, they have to do basically a 30 meter sprint and then do ballet to get into the speeding <laughs> vessel down a track. That's a great and way to so, put it. <laughs> It's, it's really remarkable to see uh, and see how actually they perform in such a short amount of time. Uh, and the skeleton athletes who I've worked with more closely as well, especially last year, uh, these individuals are a bit more of a, a medium frame and they're just, their bodies are, are meant to be graceful down the ice mm -hmm. because any subtle movement changes the tra their trajectory and their steer down the track. Yeah. And so, uh, working with the two different types of bodies and two different types of athletes takes a, a definitely different approach when it comes to uh, both therapy and also just kind of any kind of coaching in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Is there with obviously the, 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 the biggest risk is crashes um, and we're dealing with traumatic injuries, you know, crush injury, stuff like that. Are, th are there commonalities to some of the different injuries that you see with these sports? Well, uniquely, the, uh, the tracks will dictate a lot of what we get to see during that time period that I'm work, working with the clients or these athletes. Why? It's because the G-forces that you'll experience. You know, there's always a certain turn, and you'll start to notice that their bodies are reacting and responding to the G-forces within those turns and the pivots within the track itself. Now, when it comes to traumatic injuries, you're, you know, it comes into, for bobsleigh, you know, you're, you're going to see a lot of neck and hips stuff just because of the, the G-forces and, and, again, the positioning that they are in the bobsleigh itself. Mm -hmm. When it comes to skeleton, um, the, again, a, the head positioning, where they have to hold their head up off the ice, you're going to see a lot of, uh, of neck uh, injuries as well. And their body is not strapped down to their sleds. And so when they come around a corner, and they call it scorpioning, because their leg usually... Mm -hmm actually just flips over top and hits the ice on the other side, you know, you're going to see some low back stuff as well. And so definitely uh, some things to triage while, while working with them. I've, I've kind of a stupid question. I'm trying to remember last time I watched skeleton in, in the winter Olympics, does their whole body fit on the, the sled or am I remembering that it's shorter than, than most individuals? It's shorter. So, uh, so their legs are kind of hanging off. Correct. Okay, so I would have to imagine, so that they're not creating drag with their feet on the ice, they have to kind of maintain essentially like a Superman move to really keep their, their legs off the ground. 
and I've got two children and don't get to work out as regularly as I, uh, as I want to. And just thinking about that makes my back hurt. So uh, <laughs> I can imagine just that kinetic chain and everything that's working with it from foot to ankle to knee to hip and back and how intense that is from an endurance perspective. Well, you'd be surprised because their main objective is actually to be as soft and supple on their sled as possible. Okay. And so their sleds are built so that they're able to um, not have drag on the ice. Like they're, they have specific forms with their ankle mobility mm-hmm. to not create drag. Um, but yeah, their goal is to be as soft and supple. So what you're alluding to though, like that, uh, that kinetic chain and that posterior chain being active, uh, when I get to watch the run and I see where they're activating, I know what I get to work on later on that day. That's what's fascinating to me with any sport is it is just the appreciation of watching it happen and going, that's where they're going to have the problem and really just trying to break it down from a movement perspective. Absolutely. Very cool. So tell us a little bit about uh, any projects that you might be having coming up. Uh, do you have any webcast scheduled that anybody can uh, uh, log on to and, you know, work with you directly? Yeah, really excited. I get to teach Canada's first pediatrics course. Uh, and that's happening on May 16th. Uh, then uh, I do have another Blades in Advance course uh, the following week on the 23rd and 24th. Super Very excited cool. for both of those. So where uh, are you working with pediatrics a lot? Was this just something that interests you, you wanted to get into? Or is this something you've done uh, for a while now? Yeah. Again, my practice itself, uh, you know, I work with a lot of youth athletes. Mm. Uh, but as far as like the younger population, it was just an, always an interest. And I mean, my youngest client is three weeks old. Um, oh and so I, I get taste of it. I wouldn't say it's my specialty, but I, I, I have enough knowledge and experience to be able to do an exam, examination and if needs so refer out to a specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just similar to our whole uh, rock tape team, I, I constantly want to learn. And so push my boundaries a little bit and learning a whole new uh, presentation and, and learning from, uh, Dr. Jen uh, was such a, a treat, so kind of just took it on. Pediatrics courses we've had for a while now, but they're, um, they're, they're I guess the best word is rare. I, I feel like that's not the, the right word for it, but a lot of people aren't aware that we do have a pediatrics course. Um, give everyone an idea of kind of what, what are you going to be covering uh, within that pediatrics course? What makes it specific to pediatrics, and then what sort of tools do you talk about using uh, in that course? The pediatric course covers the same kind of foundation as our basics FMT tape taping, uh, though it goes more into the, the common conditions that you'll see uh, in young children or the younger population. And really the nuance is about how do you keep uh, engaged with the, the younger populations? Because, you know, they're obviously working with kids. It's its own feat in itself you know, keeping them on the table is its own feet on itself, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, being able to work with nervous systems that are so compact and robust in uh, a small body like that, the smallest changes can really make the biggest impact on them. And so we really go into kind of the understanding of how do we um, tailor our taping applications to fit smaller bodies? How do we educate in simplistic terms? So both the parent and the kid can... Uh, relate to it and resonate with it. 
and also just to you know common and and, and uh, side table practices to make it a fun, engaging treatment uh, with uh, the the parents and the and the kids. That's a really interesting point too. Is just the idea of, of uh, we talk about buy-in a lot, you know, within healthcare, especially in you know personal training stuff like that as well too. And I think what my difficulty with pediatric cases that I've had uh, in the past is is the buy-in is number one, mom and dad getting them on board, and then two, keeping the interest of the child as well. So it's always fun to have different colored rock tape for the child to uh, play around with as well. So that, that's always an advantage, right? Absolutely. The, the <laughs> rainbow pattern has been a hit. <laughs> nice. Uh, for a long time, our live courses last year, we started, we were getting um, our rock tape RX in uh, uh, space pattern. So it was like planets nice. and rockets and stuff like that. I was putting it on the adults. Uh, I, I love <laughs> that you brought that up too, because it does relate uh, to the pediatrics. Like the RX is generally what we use with our kids if they have right. sensitive skin. So I so love tell that. Everybody, tell everybody about the difference between RX and the regular tape. So the regular tape it's, and the RX, the difference is the adhesive. Yeah. Basically uh, how it sticks to the body. Uh, if there's skin sensitivities or irritations, uh, you know, or, you know, regressing that to the RX is probably the best bet. Whereas the regular tape uh, has the regular adhesive on it um, and sticks quite well as well. Yeah. And what's, what's great, you, you hear, you know, different, different amount of adhesive in the RX. It actually sticks really, really well. So phenomenally you know, well. Yeah. I've had a couple of years ago, I think I just had RX only, like I ran out of my other tape and I just started using it. And it was staying on people just fine. So yeah, it's it's just as good. So Justin, tell uh, tell us again about those dates for that pediatric course, and also when your next webcast is. So the pediatric course is May sixteenth. That's a live stream, uh, as well for Blades and Blades Advances, uh, May twenty third and twenty fourth of twenty twenty. Awesome. And I think is the pediatric course uh, a two day, one day? It's a one day course. One day. So I'm assuming six hours then. Correct. We kind of stick everything to six hours. It seems to be, uh, I'm making an assumption here, but it seems that all our courses with the webcast format right now are essentially uh, um, East Coast time 11 to 5. So I think that's going to be accurate, which means if you're in mountain time, they're going to start at uh, 9 a.m. your time typically. Is that, do I have that right? Uh, actually, Canada is running on a little bit of a different. Uh, clock. Oh, we've really? gone. We've gone uh, Central Standard Time. Eight o'clock starts. Oh, okay. You mean Rock Tape Canada? I thought you meant Canada as a country. <laughs> <laughs> Rock Tape Canada. Rock Tape Canada. Okay. Rock Tape Canada is on a different clock. <laughs> oh, okay. So everything, everything's just eight o'clock for you, for uh, Central Standard Time. Yeah. So uh, for me, oh. Mountain Standard Time, it's seven a.m. Uh, You're starting for, at seven a.m. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Earlier mornings. It's. It's uh, been a good push to have those uh, <laughs> the 5.30 wake-up calls. <laughs> yeah, don't eat, make sure you get enough sleep and then don't eat before it, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just cycling it all back. All right, man. So let everybody know how they can get a hold of you, a uh, website we can go to, and how can we find you on social media? Awesome. So my social handles is at Dr. Justin Tan. That's on Instagram. And my personal website is drjtan.me. Awesome very easy to find. Definitely check out Justin. 
with uh, Rock Tape Canada, with some of the Rock Tape courses. Definitely go check out May 16th, that pediatric taping course. That is a very unique course. We, we don't really run a lot of those. Uh, so that is a unique opportunity to really uh, see what Rock Tape can do for a lot of pe uh, pediatric cases. Justin, thank you so much for taking the time, man. I appreciate it. It's such a pleasure, John. Thank you so much. You have a good day.